2: My name is Kristen Weavers and I'm the Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing and Communications Officer here at UC Health representing the University of Cincinnati Medical Center here in Cincinnati, Ohio. We're delighted to join you today and to be invited by Damar's family and the Buffalo Bills to give you an update on the medical condition of Damar. I'd like to introduce these two incredible physicians that are with us today. Dr. William Knight, A. Knight the Fourth, is a professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. Dr. Knight is also the lead physician for the Cincinnati team of unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants, visiting team medical liaisons, and emergency medical services support, including on-field paramedics, airway management physicians, and respiratory therapists. Dr. Timothy Pritz is a trauma surgeon and serves as a professor in the Department of Surgery at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine and the Division Chief of General Surgery. I'm going to hand our beginning comments over to Dr. Pritz so he can begin to share the current medical condition of Damar Hamlin. Dr. Prince.
3: Good afternoon, everybody, Uh, and greetings from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Uh, It's our privilege today to meet with you. Um, And Dr. Knight and I are representing the many, many individuals and teams that have helped care for uh, Mr. Hamlin uh, since the on-field event uh, on Monday night. Uh, We would like to share that there has been substantial improvement in his condition over the past 24 hours. Uh, We had significant concern um, about him after the injury and after the event that happened on the field, uh, but he is making substantial progress. Uh, As of this morning, uh, he is beginning uh, to awaken, uh, and it appears that his neurological uh, condition and function is intact. Uh, We are very uh, proud to report that. Very happy for him, uh, and for his family, and for the Buffalo Bills organization uh, that he is making improvement. Uh, He continues to be critically ill, Uh, and continues to to undergo intensive care uh, in our surgical and trauma ICU. Uh, He's being cared for by uh, ICU uh, neurosurgery, I'm I'm sorry, neurocritical care teams, uh, trauma surgery, uh, and a cardiology team, as well as our expert nurses uh, and respiratory uh, therapists. Uh, They are attending to him, and he still has uh, significant progress that he needs to make, uh, but this this marks a really good turning point uh, in his ongoing care.
2: We are happy to entertain some questions and I believe uh, representatives from the Buffalo Bills are going to help facilitate those for us.
4: First of all, I appreciate you Dr. N- Dr. Pritz and Dr. Knight for your time and your care in this situation. Uh, this is Cameron Wolf with NFL Network. Just wanted to inquire if you can take us through the timeline from when Demar came into your care and to where he is now as far as what you guys have done um, to get him to this significant improvement stage.
1: Sure, um, and, and thanks for, for being here today. What I can tell you is that our team involved uh, a significant number of the care team in, involved in, in, in helping with Mr. Hamlin on the field on Monday night. Uh, he was attended to by four of our emergency physicians serving in the various roles as uh, the airway physician, the visiting team medical liaison. Uh, a neurotrauma consultant, um, as well as one of the team physicians for the Cincinnati uh, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, As as everybody knows, Mr. Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest on the field, and it was promptly recognized by the Buffalo Bills medical staff, and that allowed for a very immediate uh, resuscitation on the field. Um, He was promptly resuscitated. Um, It did require CPR and defibrillation, and at which point he was transported to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center where he was met by Dr. By, uh, Dr. Pritz and the, the trauma team, as well as our emergency medicine uh, colleagues. He was managed and resuscitated and worked up in the emergency department, um, had some additional uh, tests in the ED and in the hospital, and then has been managed in the surgical ICU, uh, as, as uh, Dr. Pritz said. It's been uh, a long and difficult road for the last three days. Um, he has been uh, very sick and, and has made a, a fairly remarkable recovery and improvement to the point, as, as Tim noted, um, he, he is now uh, demonstrating that sign of, of good neurologic recovery, as well as overall clinical improvement, as, as has been previously reported, related to not just his vital signs, but a lot of his other um, individual organ recovery.
5: This is uh, Thad Brown from WROC television in uh, Rochester, New York. Again, like Cameron said, thank you very much for your time and and all the work that you've done with this. Can you speak at all to the cause of what happened? What caused the cardiac arrest? And I think specifically, was it simply the actions that happened on the field or was there something existing that, you know, made Mr. Hamlin, um, I guess, uh, something that might be susceptible to to this happening? Uh,
1: The the answer to that is that 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 workup is ongoing. We do not have definitive answers as to the ideology of the arrest at this time, and that tests will continue to be ongoing as he continues to progress. Thank you very much. Hi, Dr. Knight and Dr. Pritz. This is Matt Beauvais with WKBW in Buffalo, New York. As everybody else has said, thank you for everything that you guys have done. I know you briefly mentioned it to Cameron's question about what the timeline was like but can you guys go into a little bit more detail or explain how critical those first moments were on the fields to ultimately get him to this point and what the doctors and the medical staff from the bills and Bengals were able to accomplish in that period. Sure. I, I think it, it just speaks really to the immediate recognition that there was something significantly and seriously wrong by the bills, medical staff. I, I, I team and I, speak together, we cannot credit their team enough. They're often, unfortunately, uh, there are injuries occasionally that happen on, on uh, sports fields, be it football or others, um, but it is incredibly rare to have something be this serious that happens um, like that. And to be that quickly recognized, what they did was immediately marshal the emergency action plan, meaning the, the emergency medicine services. That prompted the airway physician, the emergency physician that was out on the, on the field, um, to be at his bedside in, in less than a minute. Um, he had a prompt recognition of uh, loss of pulse, um, which gave him immediate bystander CPR, which as, as all, many of you know, rarely if ever happens. And so the fact that, that Mr. Hamlin had immediate bystander CPR, in addition to prompt recognition of his arrhythmia to get defibrillated and then, and then back to the return of circulation very quickly, um, that speaks to that timeline that you were asking about to get the return of spontaneous circulation with immediate bystander CPR that was performed um, well, um, all meeting the standard of what we would expect uh, in that scenario, is what has led us to be able to discuss these good outcomes today.
3: I, I will second that. You know, the, the Bill's training staff who was with him immediately recognized that this was not. A run-of-the-mill injury, and that they they had a significant <clears throat> event on their hands, and immediately responded and uh, uh, got the emergency response team uh, involved in his care. And really, this was went as well as something like this could go uh, under very challenging circumstances, and they did a and, fantastic you know- job, which is why we're here today.
1: And understanding how complicated of a situation this ultimately is, would it be fair to say that if things would have taken a few extra minutes or maybe even a few extra seconds, there could have been a different outcome here?
3: I think that's fair to say. Yeah.
1: All right, thank you both for everything that you guys have done and for the time today. This is John Scott from Spectrum News in Buffalo. You mentioned there are signs of neurological intact. What have been those signs that you have seen from him that that give you Uh, The reasoning to make that uh, assessment.
3: We we were in the situation where we wanted to allow him to gradually, you know, wake up as the rest of his uh, body was healing. Um, And uh, last night he was able to um, emerge and uh, follow commands uh, and even ask uh, who had won the game.
1: And timeline-wise, I'm, I'm sure you don't necessarily deal with these events regularly, but how common is it from Monday night to now for that sort of a, uh, improvement to be made? Uh, the answer to that is it's variable. We, we do uh, manage post-cardiac arrest patients routinely as part of critical care in, in all of our ICUs, and, it, and it's variable, but it, it speaks to his age, his incredible fitness, and then again, I I don't think that we could emphasize enough the immediate medical response. The fact that he had highly trained uh, professionals from the Buffalo Bills, in addition to having um, paramedics, emergency physicians, respiratory therapists, all right at his bedside in less than a minute from the collapse, that speaks to that ability that demonstrates that he had good perfusion to his brain that led to to no um, identifiable neurologic deficit.
2: Thank you so much. Dr. Pritz, I just want to follow up on something you said that DeMar spoke last night. Can you speak yeah, to that? I can or,
3: clarify. He did not speak. Um, he was able to communicate uh, in writing. Um, and he is uh, unable to speak with us yet, as he uh, still has a breathing tube in, and we're still assisting him with uh, ventilation. Uh, so the um, you know when he was communicating with us uh, last night and then again today, that's been in writing. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, to paraphrase uh, one of our partners, you know, when when he asked did we win, the answer is yes, you know, Damari, you won. You've won the game of life. Uh, and that's probably the most important thing out of this, and we really need to keep him at the center uh, of everything else that's going on. And we really want to ensure a good outcome for him.
1: Uh, the, hi, this is Todd Dykes with WLWT-TV here in Cincinnati. And doctors,
3: again, I know so many people are, are just so grateful for the work that, You've done the work on the field and so forth. I was fascinated. I think so many of us were to learn about the protocols the NFL has in place, the 60-minute meeting and so forth, when the chief medical officer talked about that yesterday. And the question was asked a bit earlier, but I'll, I'll circle back. Had there not been one thing in that protocol that would not have been in place, whether it was equipment or might not have worked or a personnel or so forth, what would that one thing have been that could have led to a more, you know, tragic outcome, because I think we're all realizing that the NFL does a lot of pre-planning for these kinds of situations. I'm just curious to get your take on that.
1: I, I'm not sure there is one thing. I think that that really speaking and emphasizing to that team approach, that if you see those pictures in that video of the congregation of a, a team, the team, uh, you had uh, Bill's professionals, Bengals professionals, independent uh, physicians, um, but we have all the right equipment. There's all the, the, the EMS equipment, airway equipment, advanced cardiac life support equipment, the ability to do CPR, the ability to defibrillate is all there and all spelled out in terms of accessibility. Speaking specifically to our team, we, we had several of my partners that were, um, that, that were teammates, that were partners that were helping to resuscitate Mr. Hamlin. And you have those scenarios where people know each other and they train together. There's not a lot of speaking that needs to happen. They know how to work. They know how to integrate. No different than when Dr. Pritz and I are working in the trauma bay that you see. And that really goes a long way to helping with that in terms of that overall management. But was there one thing or is there one thing that if absent would have led to a a, a poor outcome? I, I can't say that there was any one thing because it really is the entire global spectrum of care from the minute he collapsed until the ongoing care he's receiving right now up in the ICU.
2: Thank you.
6: Hi, this is Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News. Um, thank you guys so much for all of this clarity and everything you're doing. I was wondering if you could just add a bit more context on kind of what next steps will look like for recovery from Demar. You know, you mentioned how
2: um, he's, his health puts him in a good position, but just from a, a human standpoint, just kind of what is the process like from here um, for him?
3: Yeah, from from ours. That's a great question, Um, and there are many, many steps uh, still ahead of him. Uh, From our standpoint, we would like to see him continue to improve, uh, to be completely uh, breathing on his own, uh, and uh, then to be you know ready to be discharged uh, from the hospital. So those are the immediate next steps um, as we go for his care. You know, his family has been with him at his bedside um, as have members of Buffalo Bill uh, organization uh, really since this all began. Uh, and uh, we really want to get him home to them. And so those will be the immediate next steps. Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, you know, potential plans for
5: the future.
7: Hey, guys, it's Liz Bonus from uh, WKRC-TV Cincinnati. So excited to just talk to you for the first time. And uh, I want to say you've certainly made a difference showcasing our city and the great medical care here. A couple things. I've heard that he had to be tranked on the field. I was wondering if you could comment on that. Um, and that as a result, there may be some lung challenges. Uh, and then I also just wondered, um, you know, kind of from here, uh, what about the physical constraints now? Do you expect him to fully walk and talk and all the rest of that? It sounds like the brain function we were really worried about is good. But what about the rest?
1: Liz, I can answer your first question. He was not trapped on the field. He he was intubated on the field, had a, a, a what I would, would deem a textbook resuscitation um, on the field from again, immediate bystander CPR, uh, defibrillation, airway management, and then transport to the hospital. It's critical that we do that resuscitation at the scene of where a cardiac arrest is. Um, That portends the best recovery. Um, There was no um, trach or, um, or, or, or airway other than the endotracheal tube that he has. As for the long-term recovery, again, we're focused on the, the right now, and he still has uh, a, a little ways to go in terms of liberation from the ventilator, and, and I think that that's going to be our focus right now in terms of helping him to recover, liberate, continue to get uh, stronger, and, and rehabilitate, um, but it, it is entirely too early to, to project into the future.
7: So is there any reason that you don't expect him to make a full recovery?
1: Again, more focusing on right now. I don't have any reason to expect or not to expect anything in the future. Just focusing on what's going on right now.
7: All right, last thing. Lots of people are praying for you guys, and they've just wondering if you felt it.
1: Yeah, we have. <laughs> it's been it's been very powerful. We we've been surrounded by um, a great. I, I think we keep using the word team um, in that. Um, by, by Dr. Pritz and I being able to get to know this amazing family and this amazing organization of in a matter of 48 hours, having friends and having family of, of the hugs and the tears that have already been shed just by the progress that's been made. But then looking outside, I mean, all I have to do is look over my left shoulder and I see um, vigils and posters and, and well-wishers and the food that has showed up at the hospital for the support for the family and for the emergency department and for the surgical ICU team, the support that's been done to the family. The um, uh, Mars family is is wonderful. They've been right here. They've been they've been great throughout the entire stay. And so, have we felt it? Yeah. It doesn't take long to look outside and see the lights, the blue and the red around the city of Cincinnati. The support from local restaurants, the support from the the fans, and just and just people who are concerned. So, yes, it's been very powerful.
7: And does Demar know it too?
1: He's 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 learning it today. He's learning it today. Uh, hi guys, uh, this is Coley Harvey with ESPN and just echoing everyone else, uh, really thank you guys so much for taking this opportunity to talk to us. Um, I, I actually kind of, I have, just have two questions, but I want to piggyback on that last point. You guys have mentioned that there has been a level of communication with DeMar writing. I, I'm curious, what what are you all able to see that, that he's understanding or processing what all has happened to him these last uh, couple of days?
3: Uh, you know, we've discussed, um, you know, with him what happened. Um, he's not quite to the point where we can have a conversation because, again, still has a breathing tube in um, and is able to communicate with uh, yeses and nos by shaking his head, nodding his head or with uh, with brief notes. Um, you know, we uh, he was expressed surprised that he had been, you know, not with with the world for two days. Uh, and uh, you know, we've talked to him about all the support that's been given from uh, Cincinnati, Buffalo and really across the country uh, for him and his family during this time. You know, his, uh, his mom and dad have talked to him about uh, what has happened, and we expect that we'll continue to have ongoing conversations with him. You know, and again, his first, you know, first question that he wrote when he, when he started to awaken was, was, did we win? So we know that he's really, that it's not only that the lights are on, we know that he's home, uh, and that it appears that all, all the cylinders are firing uh, within his brain, which is greatly gratifying for all of us, for the nurses and the respiratory therapists and the care team that's been at his side, uh, for his family and for everybody else beyond.
1: And my last other question is uh, what what comes next? What, what, what exactly are you all looking to see next as you
8: begin to, to, to go forward with his recovery?
3: Yeah, well, we want to see him continue to uh, uh, breathe more on his own, and then we want to get him breathing completely on his own. That will be the next uh, big milestone for him.
4: Hello, doctors. Uh, Adam Kilgore with The Washington Post. Uh, thank you for, for doing this. Um, at, at this stage... Um, what, what would you project to be the best case, uh, scenario for DeMar's, uh, ultimate return to function?
1: I think, um, I mean, what is the best? The best is getting him to the way he was at eight o'clock on Monday, uh, evening is, um, completely neurologically intact, strong, um, good lung function, uh, no cardiac dysfunction, um, with his heart. Um, the best outcome would be back to who he was before this all happened.
6: Hi, this is Jacqueline Howard from CNN, and thank you so much for taking my question, and thanks for all of the work that you guys are doing. Um, I do have some questions about just the the chain of events and what happened. Uh, We're curious, did he have a second resuscitation at the hospital, and then how long was the defibrillator used and the total minutes of CPR? And lastly, uh, can you confirm, is he moving his hands and feet at this time? Thank you.
3: Uh, I'll start in reverse. He's moving his hands his feet. Um, and feet. Uh, and again, appears to be you know, neurologically intact uh, to uh, both our exam and our neuro, neurology consultants' exams. Um, so it appears to be doing well. Um, he, is, he received one uh, defibrillation and one round of CPR. Uh, That was on the field. He did not receive uh, second uh, defibrillation or additional CPR once he was in the ambulance um, or
2: uh, at the hospital. Hey, doctors. Uh, Thank you for doing
1: this.
5: Uh, To clarify something that was just said, the best is getting him back to the way he was prior to the injury. Does that mean the door is open for him to play professional football again? And then in the more immediate term, um, what's a reasonable amount of time to suspect that he will remain in intensive care and uh, in the hospital as a whole?
1: I think the, the answer to the first question about his future in professional football is that it's an entirely too early to to have that conversation. He's still critically ill in the ICU. Our focus is on getting him um, better, to get him extubated, and um, and and on the road to recovery. So it it, it it truly is too early to to have that that conversation. Um, and I already forgot your second question. I apologize. <laughs> uh, the, the real,
3: uh, the real next steps are allowing him to to continue to get better. Again, we're we're still focused on the day to day,
2: and then we'll talk about uh, you know next steps after that.
0: This is Tom Puckett from WBen News Radio nine thirty in Buffalo. Uh, uh, doctors, I know you just uh, answered Chris's question about the time frame for. Uh, Damar Hamlin's return uh, went through the pro football, but uh, how much post-hospitalization physical therapy and the likes will he need before he gets clearance to return to football?
1: Yeah, and that's a very good question. And that's a very, it's really individualized to each person. And, and that that process of recovery, rehabilitation starts to really engage and involve physical therapists, um, rehab physicians in terms of what are his needs. Um, he was incredibly sick for two days in the ICU and, and we would expect that as he continues to recover, we'll see what kind of sequelae there may or may not be from that. A lot of it is just going to be defining what kind of strength may he have from that and and recover as we get his nutrition back up to par and his strength back up to par and his, rehab and recovery. So it'll be a very individualized, tailored plan that'll become a lot more clear, when we're in that phase, um, which we're, we're still a little ways out from.
2: Hello to you both. And thank you as all of us have been saying so much for taking some time to be here with us today. This is Jenna Harner from WPXI in Pittsburgh. You mentioned liberation from the ventilator. What hurdles are still left for DeMar to get off that ventilator? And hopefully as I know a lot of us are hoping to have him get out of the intensive care unit.
3: You know, we, we sort of view the, the ventilator as an aid uh, for him as he needs it. And so, you know, after the initial event, uh, we were supporting him on the ventilator 100%. And what our goal really is for liberation from mechanical ventilation is to uh, gradually decrease the amount of support and let him pick up the difference. And when we, you know, reach 0% support, breathing tube comes out and, and then we define that
2: as success.
6: Hi, this is Maura Holman with today. Thank you again so much for taking the time. Um, there's been a lot of speculation around the fact that DeMar's condition might be related to a condition called commotio cordis. I just wanted to see if you guys had any thoughts on that. I know it's a little early to tell at this stage based about the etiology, but do you had any thoughts on whether that might be playing a role and if so, how that may affect the recovery process? Thank you. Uh-huh.
1: For sure. Um, We've we've similarly heard those same suggestions. And and the way that I would answer that question is that that condition, Camusia Cordis, is an incredibly rare um, event that happens. It's also a diagnosis of exclusion in our world, which basically means we have to rule out many other more common or more deadly or more fixable type um conditions before we can settle in on an ultimate diagnosis such as that. And so he has ongoing testing. Um, there'll be tests in the future. Um, and so I, I guess it would summarize down to it, it is still too early to say that. Is it on the list of considerations? It is, um, but he has many other things that we need to work through before uh, a final etiology or cause for
2: this arrest can be um, definitively defined.
6: Hi, doctors. Uh, Maggie Vespa with NBC News. Thank you again, just echoing what everybody's saying. Uh, first and foremost, a minute detail question, but but what is he writing on? Is it a whiteboard or a notepad? It,
3: it, it's it's high-tech. It's a uh, it's a pen and a piece of paper and a clipboard.
6: Oh, wow, yeah, that, that's uh, very high-tech. Thank you, okay. Uh, the next question, uh, I appreciate your thoughts on next steps and what you'd like to see moving forward. We were wondering, is there a timeline by which you sort of really want to see him breathing on his own, meaning if you don't get it by that time, it could have consequences.
3: That's a, that's a really good question. Every patient is different. Um, and when families uh, ask me, how long do I need to be in the ICU? How long is our family member gonna need to be on a ventilator? The answer is as long as it takes in whatever you need. Uh, and so you know, from our standpoint, uh, we'll continue to give him all the uh, support and intensive uh, physician, ICU, and respiratory care uh, that he needs. Uh, but our goal is to eventually, you know, be able to peel that all away way uh, so that he's doing it all on his own. But the, the short answer is as long as it takes, uh, there's no threshold in our world beyond which there, there's damage from the ventilator support itself. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, we like to liberate him as soon as possible.
6: I appreciate it. And then can you also, uh, just got a text, say who, if anyone in particular, he was asking that first question to, like maybe who's the first person he talked to when he woke up,
3: but I, I, I won't, uh, can't say names, but it was to his bedside nurse last night.
6: Okay. Gotcha. So, and is he holding anyone's hand? We had heard he might be holding family members' hands.
1: Yep. He's, he's held, is, held many people's hands. held my <laughs> hand. Um, he did. His, his parents have been, have been with him um, constantly. Uh, there's a lot of family members, a lot of support from his family and friends as again, as well as um, members of the, the, the Buffalo Bills administrative and medical teams. Um, that have been really at his bedside throughout, which is is, is admirable in terms of the support that the Bills have, have have shown here. And so, yes, he's he's held many people's hands,
3: and and, and the you know the Bills uh, organization folks as well as the family have been with him uh, constantly. He's interacted with all of them uh, today, uh, and so he's been he's been very interactive with them.
6: Great, thank you both very much.
4: Hi, good afternoon, Larry Seward with WCPO in Cincinnati. Timeline
3: question. Um, You mentioned the care that happened within a minute of him being down on the field. Can you walk us through the additional timeline of how much time it took to get him from being intubated there on the field to being in the ambulance, to being in the emergency department, receiving that
5: that care there? Um, The
1: the on-field resuscitation, a timeline, and it, it that that is going to be reviewed and, and really um, looked at in depth, um, kind of at a later moment, we like to do a more detailed debrief to really make sure that we can identify exactly what you're talking about for um, both review and, and overall quality assurance in general, it was it was several minutes um, on the field uh, before he before. Um, CPR was started just a couple of minutes before CPR was started, as well as. As. Um, before the defibrillation. He initially had a pulse on the, on the, on the field and then lost it under the, the nose of the, the physicians and the team that was uh, with him. And so he had truly immediate bystander CPR and then a defibrillation uh, happened within several minutes as well. At that point, and that's, that is really textbook for the kind of arrhythmia that he had. And at which point then, while his respirations were being supported, Uh, he was moved into the ambulance where he was successfully uh, and quickly intubated and then transferred to the hospital. And so I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, he was at the hospital um, a little after a half hour um, from when he fell, 45 minutes. I I don't have the exact timeline, but again, it was all textbook to what I would expect for the kind of uh, cardiac arrest that he experienced.
3: And again, we can't can't say enough about the quick actions of the uh, Bills training staff and then the physicians who are on the field. Uh, with getting to him, recognizing that this was a a very serious situation
1: uh, and responding and saving his life. It was really, really outstanding work from all of them. And not just saving his life, but his neurologic functioning. The reason why we're talking about his recovery of neurologic function is the true critical importance of immediate and good and high quality CPR and immediate access to defibrillation.
4: Gentlemen, good afternoon, Mookie Hawkins, Waffle Sports, 1080 Buffalo. First and foremost, I just want to say God bless you guys. God bless the Medical Center for the outstanding job that you've done in handling Demar. And um, how detrimental was it for Bills and Bengals medical staff to react in the manner that they did?
1: Um, I don't know if it was detrimental. If you're speaking more to their... Emotional health, I, I would defer the answer to them. Um, there was nothing detrimental to their response. They they handled this, um, what ought to be, a, again, a, a textbook or model for what I would hope um, sports teams across the country uh, would look to in terms of how this was responded to. I think, it, I, yeah, I think at
3: the end of this, this will be really looked at. Uh, as an opportunity to ensure that, you know, God forbid, the next time something like this happens, it goes as well as it went to Cincinnati, in Cincinnati that day.
4: Yes, sir. And uh, is this anything you guys have dealt with before? And uh, how unique is this injury to Demar?
1: I think there's probably two ways to answer that question. Have we dealt with this before? We sadly deal with this every day. Um, this is common for, for patients that present to emergency departments all the time. In terms of a cardiac arrest on a national football field on Monday night football, um, to my knowledge, that's never happened before. And that in and of itself is incredibly rare. And certainly to have the support and the resuscitation that he had on the the
5: field has um, not, not been seen, to my knowledge. Thank you, John.
4: Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for your time today. Alex Brasky with the Batavia Daily News. Can you describe? Your guys' response to the injury, uh, was there anybody, whether you two or within your staff, watching the game live? Did you see it happen live? And then just the response from yourselves and your staff to, to spring into action yourselves as the medical staff on site had to to make sure everyone was in position at the hospital to, to receive uh, Damar Hamlin as, as he, he made his way there.
1: And let, me, let me two-part this one because I'll take the first part and hand this to Tim. Um, the way that our emergency action plan is written in collaboration with not only the Cincinnati Bengals, but the um, National Football League, is that it's very well and explicitly spelled out what is to happen, both in terms of the response and the management, but also the communication. And so you had four emergency physicians from, um, really five emergency physicians from University of Cincinnati on the sideline in various roles supporting the game via the Neurotrauma consultant, the visiting team medical liaison, the airway physician, and they were responsible for that primary medical care and including the um, communication with the emergency department. Working in the emergency department that night was another one of my partners who is another one of our NFL VTMLs, also familiar with this world, who was the the attending of that ship. Um, And Dr. Prince's team was, was also notified again through these channels that are pretty well spelled out through the emergency action plan. And so all of that happened um, absent of Dr. Prince's and I's initial presence. Um, Tim came in as backup, and then I later came in also as backup um, to support our teams to help offload and to help help manage while the immediate resuscitation and management of DeMar was ongoing. So to hand off to Tim what happened, because he was boots on ground initially, um, that is all very well spelled out to help mobilize um, very quickly, uh, our, our trauma team and our trauma response, in addition to consultants. Um, we had a lot of different consultants that were readily available as well.
3: Yeah, we are, uh, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center uh, is privileged to serve as the uh, only adult level one trauma center in our region. Uh, we're an academic healthcare care center, which means that we have layers and layers and layers um, of, of knowledge uh, and experience that we can bring to bear on any individual patient. Uh, so from you know, that standpoint, the trauma team was activated in its usual fashion, uh, and the patient when he arrived was met by the full assemblage of emergency medicine physicians, a specialized shock resuscitation uh, unit nurses, uh, trauma surgeons, respiratory therapists. Um, and in addition, be, because of the you know, particular nature of this, and because he had an arrest, uh, he was also met uh, by our cardiology team uh, who was uh, ready to uh, intervene uh, if needed.
4: Was there anyone on your staff watching the game live and did anybody see the injury take place live? If so, uh, was, was there any reaction shared, shared with, with you two? I, I think probably everybody
3: on the staff was watching the game
4: live. It wasn't directly involved in patient care.
3: Um, you know, it was a, it was a highly watched game and we, I know I had at least uh, three partners who were physically, you know, at the game uh, during this happened. I mean, the reaction, like anything else um, in sports um, is, is, you know, one of, of disbelief um, and sadness. You know, it, sports are a wonderful uh, thing. You know, football is a great game, and you hate to ever have anything happen uh, to the participants in the sport. Uh, so, you know, we really don't want to see anything like this
4: happen. Thank you for your time and for your service.
5: Hi there, Marshall Kramsky, WCPO9 in Cincinnati. Two quick questions for you. You said earlier that not only is Damar home, the lights are on. From what you can tell, how's he doing emotionally?
1: Um, it, it's uh, Honestly, it, it is too early to tell it. I mean, he he is still, he's still on the ventilator. That does require still a little bit of sedation to make sure he's comfortable. Being on a ventilator is not the most comfortable thing, so that – in fairness to Damar, has not been fully assessed um, in terms of even his awareness of everything that has happened in the last three days. Um, that will come more as we have better assessment. When we, when we talk about neurologically intact, it's a very, um, it's a very gross term of, of, of big motor movements and, and following commands. When we talk about the finer things that make us human, cognition, emotion, speech, language, et cetera, we're, we're looking forward to learning more about that um, soon.
5: And in response to all of this around the league, players have been saying that the, one of the best places for
1: God forbid trauma to happen is short of a hospital, an NFL field. How much truth is there to that in your professional opinion? Um, in terms of in Cincinnati,
5: just being on an NFL field and that the, care that they can be provided with so quickly?
1: Well, I mean, I, the biggest thing that happens on an NFL field is that each team has a, an, an entire um, sports team has an entire team of not only athletic trainers and assistant athletic trainers, but also team physicians. There's a wide breadth of experience that ranges everything from sports medicine, orthopedic surgery, emergency medicine, primary care. Um, teams have ophthalmologists, neurosurgeons. There's a wide range of different supports that different teams have. And so, when you're on an NFL sideline, there are layers upon layers of of not just preparation, but presence. Of, and it's not just physicians. There are paramedics, there are respiratory therapists, um, all there that are trained in a part of this emergency action plan um, and in part of those roles um, to do that. And so, is it a good place to have uh, an event like this? Again, as Dr. Pritz said, you you don't ever want to have an event like this, but where there are um, a lot of cameras to record what happened and and to have a good video review, as well as the immediate response of highly trained um, physicians in specific areas, such as airway management, emergency medicine, um, orthopedic surgery, sports medicine, primary care, et cetera, um, with the equipment that is afforded there with immediate paramedic and ambulance support. Um, yeah, it gives us a lot of opportunity to do things at the scene that you may not have at a grocery store or a mall that you are bringing that um, that expertise to that versus it already being there.
5: Thank you and thanks for updating us and all that you've done. Hi, hi. this is Dr. Lapuka. are you, am I on? Can't tell. Hi, it's Dr. LaPook. Um, I have a couple of questions uh one has to do with on the field um i know you said it has to still be reviewed but i might understand that he went down and initially uh he did have a pulse uh and then he lost the pulse he had a cycle of cpr how long was that cycle was it two minutes and then he immediately had defibrillation
1: again the the specific details of that review are are still pending but the, the the high level answers to that are yes he initially had a pulse he lost his pulse, had immediate bystander CPR. Um, for then the rhythm check, he did have defibrillation and then return to spontaneous circulation. The specific numbers without having them in front of me, and, and again, in deference to the review that will happen as part of the debrief, I don't have those immediately
5: in front of me. Okay. So obviously that's really interesting if he had a pulse that he wasn't immediately in V-fib. He might've been, and we don't know the rate of that pulse, I take it. So um, I'm looking forward to those. The, the other thing is in hospital, these are some technical questions, but forgive me for that. But first of all, looking for some kind of, un, you correctly obviously said, we don't know, you know, this is, commotion of cortis is a diagnosis of exclusion. Was an echocardiogram done? I assume it was. Did that show any evidence of any underlying issue? And then in terms of his breathing, which it sounds like it's the number one issue, can you tell us what his FIO2 is now and what the IMV, what the guaranteed number of respiratory Uh, you know, respirations per minute is and whether or not there's been any damage to his kidneys, liver, or any other organ?
3: Yeah, that's a level of of detail that we're not prepared to speak to today. Those are great questions, but not today.
5: (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you very much and well done. Well done, team.
1: Uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. Uh, Thank you guys for doing this. I had two specific questions Uh, I wanted to check on. One, I'd heard that there's a possible other injury, a jaw injury, uh, something of that nature. Is that true? And then two, I had somebody tell me that he had his lungs cleaned out. What does that mean?
3: I, I'm not sure what cleaning out your lungs mean. Um, so that, that's a great question. Uh, the, uh, th- there is no known jaw injury.
4: Okay, thank you.
5: My question is, in the time that, you know, the ambulance was – off the field and into the
1: tunnel, there was, um, it didn't immediately go to the hospital. There's been some questions as to, you know, what was happening then and why that was. Can you take us through the process of why maybe it didn't go initially, why it stayed behind, what was happening during that time period? The, the level of detail of that, I, I don't have that immediate information that, that is similarly gonna be part of the, the debrief. There was a, a portion, again, of the ongoing resuscitation in the ambulance. And whether that was part of on the field or in the tunnel, of both helping to get, um, preparing for his airway management, which again, occurred in the, in the ambulance, again, managing his oxygen saturations to get him optimized to then um, intubate him and then transport him to the hospital. Outside of that particular process, um, I, I, I don't have any additional information. And again, a lot of those specific details are going to be part of the debrief.
5: Pat Freeman from the Buffalo Criterion newspaper. How are you today?
1: Good, thank you.
5: My question was uh, looking at the replay, DeMar seemed to hit his head pretty hard on the turf. Was there any signs of concussion or head trauma to him?
3: Yeah. what well, we can tell you now that his neurological function you know appears to be uh, intact at present.
5: So did he did he hurt his head any? Do you so know
1: the, the two ways to answer that is that he does not have any physical or radiographic signs of head trauma. Concussion is a clinical diagnosis, and since he has been intubated and largely sedated throughout his course, we have not had the ability to do what we would ordinarily do to evaluate and test
2: for
5: a concussion. All right, thank you very much.
2: Hi. Hi, uh, doctors. This is Dr. Tara Narula from CNN, uh, also a cardiologist. So my question is similar to the one that Dr. Lapuk asked. I know you mentioned you couldn't talk about the echo, but is there any sense of what his ejection fraction is now, what the pumping capacity is? Did he drop his heart function? Is it back to normal, uh, number one? And has he been seen by any of the electrophysiologists to look for any underlying um, arrhythmic causes, genetic uh, causes of his event? as well yeah. that's the first question um second question is did he undergo a hypothermia protocol and third as we had heard he was prone. is that because there was a question of ards um or aspiration at some point
1: um, yeah the, the first question again we're, we're not going to speak to some of the specifics of his tests in, in deference to uh, his his privacy as far as those those specific details um, as to the second one, yes, he did undergo the targeted temperature management, um, protocol here, uh, at UC. Uh, and then the third question. Yeah. So he did demonstrate evidence of, of ARDS or,
3: or acute respiratory distress syndrome. Um, and that, uh, was the, uh, etiology
1: of the proning. Mm-hmm.
2: And as far as being worked up for electrical abnormalities, I imagine the whole cardiology team, including an EP is seeing him as well.
1: Again, his workup of his cardiac um, is, is ongoing um, and there are gonna be additional tests in the future.
2: Thank you. We're gonna take two more questions and then close.
4: Doctors Cameron Wolf with NFL Network. I, mentioned, I heard you mentioned ARDS. Can you elaborate for us lay people about what that is and maybe where he is in respect to his, uh, his lung capacity or, or any damage there?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So that's an acute inflammatory response that occurs uh, in the lungs after, you know, a wide variety of events, um, and it causes the lungs not to be able to exchange uh, gases, and you can't breathe as well um, as normal. Um, you know, from, from the standpoint of long-term, you know, issues, that all remains to be seen. Uh, you know, his lung function is improving, as was noted in the press yesterday, um, and uh, we hope that it continues to improve.
4: Thank you, and brief, brief uh, follow-up there. I know you mentioned he's still in critical condition. Is there a, a, a process or what he needs to do to upgrade to stable condition?
3: Um, you know, as long as the you know, what we would like to see before we, you know, upgrade him to stable condition, you know, would be breathing tube out and continuing to improve both from a neurologic um, and a respiratory uh, standpoint.
4: Thank you, appreciate you guys.
2: Yeah. Can you hear me? Sorry about that. Uh, appreciate the time. Just really quickly. I wanted to ask, I know there's obviously been so much going on, uh, but DeMar's toy fundraiser raising over $7 million. I didn't know. I know there's a lot, um, but if you were able to communicate kind of just the outpouring of support and what his charity has been able to raise in, in these last couple of days.
3: You know, we can tell you that, uh, that us, um, his parents, who again have been, you know, close to him the entire time and are amazing uh parents i can just tell you we wish everybody had parents as wonderful as his parents are and the bills coaching staff have all communicated Uh, The outpouring of support uh, from Cincinnati, from Buffalo, from across the country, Um, you know, we we've related that that there's going to be a lot of toys for him to buy when he recovers from all this. And we're all we're all looking forward to that. Uh, But but really the support and his parents feel the support. Uh, The the team feels the support and uh, everybody in the in the ICU and in the medical center feel support. So we we appreciate all that.
2: Thank you, everyone. This is Kristen Weavers again, and, and Dr. Pritz and Dr. Knight. thank you so much for spending this almost hour with the media and with everyone who's expressed such interest in DeMar's care and concern. I just want to reiterate that we want to thank the entire DeMar Hamlin family and the Buffalo Bills for their incredible support of the entire care team at UC Health here in Cincinnati. We're honored to have him with us and to care for him. And thank you to the family and the Buffalo Bills for inviting Dr. Pritz and Dr. Knight to provide a current update on DeMar's medical condition and provide you accurate information. So we leave it up to them to determine if we will do this again, it is not our decision. So we ask the media to understand that and respect the DeMar's family's choices around this situation. So thank you again. We appreciate your interest and concern and thank you to the nation who has provided such an outpouring of sincere gratitude and support, not only for DeMar, his family, the Bills, the Bengals have been incredible in our community. So thank you very, very
0: much. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?